0: The Vaccine Injury Support Program is a make work project for federal contractors. Joining me today is the journalist who broke the story. I'm Sheila Gunn Reid, and you're watching The Gun Show. After several years of the federal government telling us that all the COVID vaccines are quote, safe and effective, you would think that you wouldn't need something called the Vaccine Injury Support Program or VISP, but we have it. However, the Vaccine Injury Support Program, well, doesn't actually support all that many vaccine injured people. In fact, it seems to support government contractors at a far greater rate than it does support the people who are injured because they had the misfortune of taking a vaccine they probably didn't want to prevent unemployment or depression. Now joining me today is my friend Tamara Ugolini, someone that I repeatedly call Canada's leading medical journalist because she uncovered this absolute boondoggle of the 30 plus million dollars allocated for the vaccine injury support program. Well, 20 million of that has gone to federal contractors to administer the program. It's almost hard to believe, but after nine years of Justin Trudeau in power, is it really all that hard to believe? Here's my conversation I had with my friend and colleague Tamara Ugolini earlier today. me now is my friend and colleague and i think the person i rely on the most at the company to uh, help me when i am off on other projects to marry Ugolini. and from day one you were a pandemic skeptic in fact that's why we hired you and then once you started seeing what was happening with some of the lockdown adjacent issues like vaccine mandates you really flew into action i think Despite what Andre Picard might say, you are Canada's foremost uh, medical journalist in this country. You really have made yourself an expert on these topics. And one of the things that you are really focused like a laser beam on is the Vaccine Injury Support Program. For people who don't know, um, although I think regular viewers of Rebel News would already know, but tell us what this program is designed to do.
1: Of course, so the Vaccine Injury Support Program, acronymed this, was a pandemic born support initiative geared toward financially compensating people who have been maimed and or killed by the purported to be safe and effective novel COVID-19 injections. Um, the government, federally at least, didn't have any sort of contingency plan in place prior to the rollout of these rushed to market products. And so they instituted this VISP program. To my knowledge, the only other place in Canada where this existed previously was in Quebec. And theirs uh, also covered all of the other kind of traditional vaccines, whereas the VISP program is specific to the COVID-19 injections. And there's very strict and stringent um, submission guidelines for people to even be able to start a claim process. For instance, I'll just look at their, pull it from directly from their website right now. What constitutes a serious and permanent injury? Well, of course, it must be serious and permanent. It's defined as a, as a severe life-threatening or life-altering injury that may require in-person hospitalization or a prolongation of existing hospitalization. And, so there's a, a catch, and results in persistent or significant disability or incapacity or where the outcome is a congenital malformation and get this or death. So don't forget that we were psyoped essentially there was a massive psychological operation that went into play late 2020 and early 2021 that coincided with the rollout of these injections that told everybody they were safe and effective. And um, the idea behind that at the time was get your shot to protect your community, protect your grandma, be able to gather indoors. There was all of these social stipulations placed on anybody who was deemed a dangerous super spreader, otherwise known as an anti-vaxxer, who said, hold on a minute, I'd like to just wait for maybe the clinical trials to be completed before I decide to go forward with this injection that we really know nothing at that point about. And um, they were really smeared, slandered, ostracized from society completely. If, if you remember when the vaccine mandates and the vaccine passports were coming into effect, you couldn't go to the theater with your friends. You couldn't go out for dinner with your spouse, your family. Um, there was even rules and regulations put into place for family gatherings at their homes. Thanksgiving dinner, Great. Christmas dinner, during peak hysteria. And so these shots were really pushed down everybody's throats. And um, meanwhile, as they're talking out of their mouth that they're so safe and effective, the government is also putting a program in place that compensates people who are injured so severely that they're unable to work, they're unable to keep up with their day-to-day and or they die. Um, And so we, we have really been on top of this since the onset, filing access to information requests. And for anybody at home who doesn't know, we have a special portal there called rebelinvestigates.com, where all of our exclusive reports are are housed and contained. And um, what we discovered through those initial access to information requests is that the government had originally planned, and when I say government, I mean specifically Health Canada and the Public Health Agency of Canada, who's uh, responsible for running this program, they originally accounted for or assumed that there would be approximately 400 claims per year. And we discovered that that amount was capped halfway so 6 months into the first year of the rollout of this program that came into effect by the summer of 2021 and in those documents there was a ton of redactions and something that that caught my eye was the difference between where they stated in those response documents that there was ongoing financial support and so that meant to the victims versus the cost to administer the program And there was a massive difference there between what was being allocated to the families versus what was going to the consultancy firm running and administering this program. And so it took almost a year to appeal that and get the redacted documents back uncensored. And what we found was out of the original $32 million that was allocated the total funding amount to run this program from 2021 Until 2026, there was approximately 12,000 of that allocated to the actual people suffering from vaccine injury. And the rest, 60%, would end up in the hands of the consultancy firm, Raymond Grant Shabbat Thornton Consultancy, Inc., to simply administer the program. And so the vast majority of the funds were not actually reaching the pockets of the victims of this safe and effective marketing scheme, is what I refer to it as but rather back into the hands of these consultants who also had other um, conflicts of interest, were pivotal really in supporting the government's institution of the vaccine mandate program for federal workers, et cetera, et cetera. So it's a really twisty turny program um, that unfortunately doesn't end up helping the people who are suffering these devastating injuries. So to just
0: clarify the numbers, we've got $32 million for the program in total, which seems actually low. Um, And then we've got uh, 12 million is all that went to the people who were vaccine-injured, and we know it's thousands and thousands. And that means a full 20 million went to line the pockets of this consultancy firm. Uh, One of the things we saw during the uh, National Citizens' Inquiry, the citizen-led uh, inquiry into the government's overreaction and of... into the COVID pandemic, was just the sheer difficulty for really, truly, genuinely vaccine-injured people to access this VISP program. People who got blood clots, I-I know... um, One of my dearest, closest friends, she just... For her, it was a matter of mental health. I need to leave my house and do something normal. She took the vaccine. And uh, otherwise healthy young woman, blood clot in her bicep, very close to her heart. Um, another man that I met at the whistle stop, a young man working in the oil field. The next time I saw him, he is walking with a cane. Uh, with paralysis on one side of his body because he had a stroke. And these are the people who don't qualify for this, even though we know 100%
1: they were vaccine injured. If they're even remotely functioning, they seem to be disregarded as not qualifying for this program. And I want to note here too that those numbers that I listed, that was the original budget allocation. Right. We know that as of uh, last month, so December 2023, that the government has already paid out $11 million worth of compensation to the families that have been affected by this safe and, and effective narrative. And so that is already only $1 million off of what they budgeted for until 2026. So we're only about halfway, just a little bit over halfway through the this program that's supposed to wrap up in 2026. And already they're going to be at least I would speculate twice as much over budget as uh, they originally planned for. So there's that. But you know, even on the the Health Canada website, you can see that there has been almost fifty eight thousand seven hundred and twelve total adverse events reported following immunization with this novel injection. Um, of those, there were eleven thousand seven hundred and two. That were serious and serious is really an arbitrary definition that also includes death but regardless this VISP program has has processed and confirmed a very tiny fraction of those and we know that according to the fda only one percent of adverse events ever go to actually being formally documented and reported so all of this reflects and represents a mere fraction of and I would even say a a fraction of a fraction of those who have actually been been affected by this and we've reported extensively on the vast amount of vaccine reactions one of the first stories that I reported on actually was in June or July 2021 and following the first injection of the AstraZeneca vaccine which thereafter came with hefty safety signals due to thrombosis as you mentioned Sheila clotting Um, and this gentleman Kevin Street was experiencing such debilitating, not only physical, but also neurological symptoms that he was actually mentally and psychologically unable to sift through the insane amount of bureaucracy and paperwork needed to even navigate this newly released system. And as you mentioned at the National Citizens Inquiry, one particular woman that I interviewed, Meredith Klitsky, same thing. She was so neurologically hampered by whatever symptoms she was experiencing that she described the stacks of paperwork that she couldn't even get through on a day-to-day basis because her injury was so debilitating and she had to go through all the rigmarole with a doctor, a specialist, to go to all these appointments. And that's if the doctor's will even acknowledge and document these adverse events because they've been so terrified by their regulators to do anything that goes against that safe and effective narrative that many times they just disregard these patients. And again, we've reported extensively on this. Uh, There was a pair of nurses that I interviewed in December 2021 from Peterborough uh, Regional Health, the, the hospital, and they reported that anybody who was coming in saying, hey, these symptoms started after I got my vaccine, they were sent over to, for a psych consult. So they were, you know, oh, you just have anxiety, we're gonna give you some anxiety or antidepressants, anti- anti-anxiety meds or antidepressants, and hopefully that will quell whatever you're experiencing. Like, they were completely disregarded. And, and uh, again, even Patrick Phillips, I believe that was May of 2021, who said and described how the local medical officers of health were really the gatekeepers into this system Mm -hmm. because any doctors who reported adverse events had to send it off to the health unit to get the go-ahead, get get that green check before it could go into a further filtering system. So there's multi-leveled bureaucracy at play here. There's a multi-leveled arbitrary filtering system at play here. At the end of the day, there are I would I would speculate to say millions of people suffering various degrees and levels of adverse events who are not covered by any of this reporting system or the Vaccine Injury Support Program. Yeah, I mean, we know that they, they
0: um, vaccinated the entire military with Moderna, and that was prior to Moderna not being advised for, I think, its young men under the age of 35. Well, guess what the entire military is? And that's why they're experiencing vaccine injuries at a rate way higher than the general population, even with the government's own skewed statistics. And this doesn't take into account the long-term problems. that We have no idea how those will manifest. I I think there's no possible way that this program should wrap up in 2026 because, I mean, that's only five years out, really, of a vaccine rollout. We don't know what the long-term effects are of this. And then, of course, and then the things I'm going to say are probably going to be the reason we cannot publish the free version of this on YouTube. Um, it, there are vaccine inconveniences. Uh, so, that, as I would describe them, I mean, they really are vaccine injuries. If you took this vaccine because you were lied to by the government that it was safe and effective, um, and you were not catastrophically injured, but you end up with health ramifications. I know people who have developed allergies out of nowhere, midlife, for no reason. They just are, all of a sudden, certain things that they've been using, they are allergic to. And there are the women with the changes in their menstrual cycles. Now, that we don't know the long-term effects on fertility, but we do know that uh, that is at least an inconvenient change to your reproductive system and maybe something worse.
1: Mm-hmm. And something else that we haven't touched on is the, the rates of myocarditis, so inflammation mm-hmm. of the heart and how affected the circulatory system in general seems to be by these mRNA products. Um, again, on, the, the, on Health Canada's website here, the total number of events, specifically myo-slash-pericarditis, is just over 12,000. And the vast majority of those cases, if you break it down and look at the provincial data, which has a little bit more robust reporting systems in place, you see that the vast majority of those cases are healthy, young males. So that sort of prime age 12 to 25, kind of in that sweet spot there, are who has been most damaged. Buy these products and, and again that's an age a crucial age in development when you're a teenager you're a you're a young man um to get out into the world and have those social interactions uh those young boys were mandated these shots to do things like play hockey with their teammates um if they didn't then they wouldn't be able to progress athletically and have any opportunities that were associated with that were basically stolen from them if they didn't comply with this injection mandate and as a result, a vast majority of them now suffer with long-term and potentially life-threatening and irreversible inflammation of their heart. This is just so disturbing what happened to people, um, how informed consent was completely validated, or in was informed consent was not upheld. It was intensely and aggressively infringed upon And nobody was told, because we didn't know, nobody knew, nobody who was asserting the safety and efficacy of these shots knew that these were the potential consequences or the outcomes. Because, as I mentioned, those clinical trials were not concluded when they ruled these things out. Um, You know, even the circulatory system, the total number of people suffering circulatory system affected adverse events is 1900. Um, Again, safe and effective, and yet we need a vaccine injury support program in place to to deal with the repercussions of this safe and effective shot that also worth mentioning doesn't come out of the pockets of Big Pharma, who made billions and perhaps even trillions off of these injections. This comes from the taxpayer's dollar. This is a taxpayer-funded government uh, support program, and Big Pharma gets to laugh all the way to the bank. Oh, that's a great point. The big pharma, the people who injured these
0: people with their enablers in big government, they get off scot free, and they're the ones ultimately responsible, along with the the politicians who were coercing people and lying to people about the efficacy of these vaccines. You make an excellent point about the young men, so twelve to twenty five. They're the people, by and large, who suffer the greatest consequences for getting vaccine, getting the vaccination, and yet they were the ones least susceptible to any sort of uh, catastrophic impacts from COVID-19. It would have been just a cough, the chills, and uh, the sniffles, and they would have been just fine. Instead, they're going to deal with lifelong consequences to their uh, cardiovascular system. It's just atrocious. And one of the things you've really pointed out from the very beginning, and we saw this through order paper questions, is that safe and effective is just a marketing campaign akin to finger looking good. Um, it's, it doesn't actually mean safe and effective. In fact, we've seen through order paper questions that uh, safe meant not that it wouldn't harm you, that's not ever what they tested, uh, and they took the word of the vaccine manufacturers that it was effective, like buying the car off uh, Facebook Marketplace and the guy says it parked or it ran when I parked it. Um, but uh, safe meant it didn't contain uh, any toxic substances, like, for example, Schedule One toxins, mercury, lead asbestos or I guess single-use plastics, <laughs> according to Justin Trudeau,
1: but that's what safe meant, not that it wouldn't harm you. To really drive home that there was that marketing scheme at play here with, with the safe and effective. And again, if people had have been given informed consent that, hey, these are still in clinical trials, we'll, they'll wrap up in a few months and then we'll have the data sometime thereafter, so we'll keep you posted. If anybody you know, is terrified and thinks this will help them to get back and reintegrate into society, By all means, go for it, Um, but to mandate something like this on the population, and especially for that demographic that wasn't ever, and we knew that very early on, wasn't ever at risk of severe outcomes, um, was was asinine, in my opinion. And the thing to note about the safe and effective slogan also is that's based on, or typically should be based on a risk-benefit calculation. That is something else that we have been investigating since the spring of 2021. I've reached out repeatedly to Health Canada. What was that risk benefit? What was that risk benefit calculation used to justify the rollout of this injection? And, and specifically at the time, I was asking for youth, so those age 17 and under. Um, and that access to information request that I subsequently had to file because they wouldn't respond to my media requests on it has been filibustered since that time. So we're going on almost three years where they can't send me just the basic calculation, the risk of X per population uh, compared to the benefit of X per population and what that remaining calculation is. They cannot attest to that. They haven't sent that to me. And I've repeatedly asked and I've followed up and I've appealed and um, you know tried to, to put the pressure on for that access to information request. Still don't have it. So for Health Canada and Federal Minister of Health, Mark Holland, to continue to peddle this safe and efficacious narrative without having conducted that calculation, and if they have, it's apparently top secret and mysterious, um, that I think in and of itself speaks for itself.
0: Yeah, and you know, I I just want to make it clear, I don't begrudge anybody who took that vaccine. I have friends, family who took the vaccine for a multitude of different reasons. Some of them believe the TV doctors, um, because, you know, normally, the guy in the white coat, you're supposed to believe him. Uh, I think equal parts of people took the vaccine, not because they wanted the vaccine, but because they took it as a vaccination against unemployment. Uh, they did what the federal government didn't do and weighed the risk-benefit. And for them, the risk Uh, the benefit of being able to feed their family and pay their mortgage outweighed whatever risk uh, that they felt I ultimately was there. And I cannot begrudge those people those choices. They don't have the benefit of working for an employer like ours um, who doesn't coerce us into doing anything that we don't want to do or don't believe in. Um, But I think one of the first things that the future Conservative government should do. Just looking at the polls, it's gonna be just an absolute uh, bloodbath for the Liberals. Um, But I think a future Conservative government should do what uh, the Conservatives did when Jean Chrétien left office. And uh, that is a full-scale, whole-of-government inquiry into what exactly went down here, who benefited, who lied. And that is the only way, I think, that as a society we can heal from this absolute violation we experienced, whether people feel that way or not. It is true that we experienced at the hands of the people whose really only job as a federal government is to keep its people safe.
1: Yeah, and, and I mean, also, the National Citizens' Citizens Inquiry has really done that, the breadth mm-hmm. of that work already. Um, and, and I think also looking into why previously well-established pandemic preparedness plans because we had yeah. those. We had yes. uh, documents to source back to. We had actual evidence-based responses that were completely disregarded for this knee-jerk Hysterical reactions that largely came down from the World Health Organization. Lockdowns and mandates were never part of our previously well-established, as I mentioned, pandemic preparedness plans. Um, you can you can talk to previous medical officers of health in various jurisdictions, provinces, and territories. And Colonel Redman in Alberta, the guy who wrote our pandemic response,
0: he said what basically at the National Citizens Inquiry, this is. What these are the established protocols, I wrote the plan for Alberta,
1: and ultimately, it was thrown in the garbage, and we still don't know why. Exactly. And so I think that really needs to be investigated. And how we ensure that those preparedness plans that are based on evidence are upheld, you know, they keep telling us that it's not a matter of if, but a matter of when the next pandemic. And so when, if there is another pandemic, we need to make sure that those well-established, evidence-based responses and protocols are upheld. Um, The the pillars to informed consent and these sorts of things around uh, therapeutics are upheld. And another thing that, when you mentioned about people who had to take the injection to keep their jobs, my family, my husband, um, was up against that kind of financial devastation or get this novel injection where all of the other the guys on site in his construction industry were already having heart symptoms, other, sure. you know, various illnesses as a result. But this, this program was theoretically put in place for those people who had to take an injection to keep their jobs, but then were unable to work because of the adverse events they were experiencing from taking a job-mandated injection. And so the really sad part about that is so many people took the injection to keep their job, then they were maimed and unable to work their job and they're supposed to have this safety net in place of the VISP program, but because it's so arbitrary and and stringently defined, they're left to their own devices. And so many people in that situation ended up being out of work anyway and they're not compensated through this taxpayer funded program. And all the while, consultants are getting rich.
0: And this is the theme of Justin Trudeau's government. We're seeing it right now in ARRIVE CAN, or ARRIVE SCAM, as my MP calls it. We're seeing it here. If you are a federal government contractor, a consultant, the world is your oyster, and the little guy's just trying to pay their bills, get by, and do the right thing for their family. You're tossed in the garbage um, and treated like, well, like some sort of crypto-nazi if you're just skeptical rightly so of the men in the white lab coats either at your doctor's office or at the World Health Organization.
1: And again, big pharma gets to laugh all the way to the bank. Yeah. Yep, yeah. a lot of uh people
0: are rich on the backs of some very injured blue-collar workers in this country and it is an absolute disgrace and uh I'm I'm Proud of the work that the National Citizens' Inquiry did, Uh, but there are a lot of people in government who should be subpoenaed to testify to their roles in all of this. Um, They they should not get away scot-free. There are many of them who know exactly what they did, and they know it was wrong, and they're hoping we all forget. And
1: I won't until they're held accountable. Yeah, absolutely. Completely agree. And the, despite their best efforts, the NCI didn't have the legal ability to compel various medical yeah. officers of health and others who were responsible for these knee-jerk reactions and these these policy frameworks to come and testify and, and back up what they did and why. And absolutely, there needs to be something more formal put in place to make sure that we get those answers and make sure that this never happens again. Yeah, that's the thing. If we don't hold these two... A- these people to account, they're just gonna do it again.
0: They're just going to grab this power and use it against the citizens of Canada again. Tamara, what are you working on next on this?
1: Well, I'm keeping my ear to the ground to get some personal stories of people who have navigated the VIS program. I mean, we've heard from a few, but I know there are dozens, thousands, if not millions um, facing the same. And so I'm just keeping my ear to the ground on who has a really compelling story about either being disregarded by this program, not being sufficient. Now, the mainstream media has picked up a little bit. There was, I believe it was CTV in British Columbia, ran a story of two men who were compensated through this program, but it will never adequately replace the employment loss that they've suffered as a result of, again, debilitating and, and lasting injury. Uh, and so and so keeping my ear uh, to the ground on <laughs> that, but also whether or not this program will actually wrap up in 2026. Mm. you know these obviously again are debilitating light long lasting injuries. And so what uh, 2026 all of a sudden the well dries up and sorry you're left to your own devices. and maybe that's where some of the reporting that you're you're cor- currently working on with made comes in. And that is just so ghoulish to think that that is a possible outlet for these people that in some instances have nothing left. Yeah. Uh, I mean,
0: that's the thing. Whatever brings people to desperation and death's door, um, most of what we're hearing is related to government ineptitude, quite frankly, and a health system that is broken, but that unions won't allow innovation within to fix and make it better for the people who actually want to use it. Everybody brags about Canada's world-class, free healthcare system. Yeah, it's great until you try to use it. And that those are the s- stories that we're hearing over and over again. Tamara, thanks so much for your work on this topic. As I said, you, I think, are... Can- no, not I think, I know. You're Canada's leading mm-hmm. medical journalist in this country um, because you really see this through the eyes of a normal person. You do not work for the government. You're not paid by the government. And you're really trying to tell the stories of the normal people who are harmed by the government. And I think that um, is a valuable thing. And it's why people really appreciate and admire the work that you do.
1: Well, thanks, Sheila. You know, I say it repeatedly, but it is truly an honor to be in a position to do this work and bring people this kind of information that otherwise you, unfortunately, don't hear of uh, really anywhere else and is Seemingly ignored by our mainstream media.
0: This is the portion of the show wherein we invite your viewer feedback. I say it every week and I know it's redundant, but we're getting new people here all the time. So we've got to tell them the rules. Unlike the mainstream media, we actually care about what you think about the work that we do here at Rebel News. In fact, I think by and large, you might actually even like us. So why wouldn't I open up my emails for some compliments or some hate mail, (laughs) depending on how you're feeling about what I said that day. So I give you my email address right now. It's Sheila at rebelnews.com. put gun show letters in the subject line. So I know it's about something I said or did relating to the gun show, but if you're watching us on the free version of the show on YouTube or rumble, thank you for sitting through those ads, by the way, uh, but don't hesitate to leave a question, query, comment, story, idea, anything like that, in the comment section over there. I do read those, and I do go looking for your clever commentary on our work. Now today's gun show letter doesn't actually come to me about the gun show, so so there's that too. If you put gun show letters in the subject line of your email, I just might read it regardless of whether or not it's it's even remotely related to the work that we do here at Rebel News. But this one I got was kind of interesting and kind of related to the hyperbolic panic attack that we saw from Liberal Party MPs last week when Tucker Carlson came to Canada and our Premier Daniel Smith had the audacity to talk to him. I was in Edmonton. I think this comment relates to what was said in Calgary. But I, I should tell you in Edmonton, it was like 10,000 plus people in uh, Rogers Place, which is where the Oilers play. And it was like a rock show. <laughs> like people were on their feet, screaming for Tucker Carlson, screaming for Jordan Peterson. And I got to tell you, screaming at the top of their lungs, freaking out, excited when our premier daniel smith walked out and that is something that i think in the darkest recesses of the most liberal parts of this country our prime minister could not do she was treated like an absolute rock star cuz She kind of is behaving that way, by and large, keeping her word, fighting with the feds, striking back at these stupid plastics bans, asserting provincial autonomy over areas of provincial authority, and caring enough about free speech to not be bullied away from speaking to interesting thought leaders like Tucker Carlson. Like, who should Daniel Smith listen to? Uh, The media? her political enemies in the federal liberal party or the people who want to hear her have these conversations. So she did. And anyways, the liberals, it was just an absolute cry fest (laughs) after her conversation with Tucker, um, And that's what this email is about comes to me from Terrence. He says, Hi, Sheila, just finished watching the panel discussion on YouTube with Jordan Peterson, Conrad Black, Daniel Smith and Tucker Carlson. That was in Calgary, wherein Premier Smith asked Tucker to put a target on Stephen Gilboa's back. Our federal environment minister. Contrast these four ultra-intelligent, articulate and ideologically principled individuals with the four liberal cabinet minister boobs. (laughs) Send out in front of a mainstream media press conference to whine about their being victims of violence advocated against politicians of every stripe. Yeah, that was really embarrassing. Uh, There is some sort of crisis in masculinity in this country. If you hold a press conference, as one of the power, most powerful men in this country, by the way, like the environment minister, whether we like it or not, those policies control a great deal of our lives. They attack our family's bottom line, the amount of money we have in our pocket. And uh, for these boobs, as you so rightly put it, Terrence, to wander out and blubber, complain, and whine that another man... Said mean things about them. What a disgrace. What's, you know what? Those guys should go get their testosterone level checked. <laughs> like, how embarrassing. And the media ate it up. It's like the people in the mainstream media have ev- never, ever encountered like a random normal man who would just say, Yeah, some dude said mean things about me. I don't care. These guys went and complained that it was political violence that somebody didn't agree with their madness wholeheartedly. (laughs) How embarrassing. Normal men would be totally embarrassed of that, but Stephen Gilboa, not a normal dude. Neither uh, Pablo Rodriguez, the heritage minister. I think he was doing some of the boo-hoo-hooing in that same press conference. Um, By the way, does anybody else think that he looks like a failed CBC Children's folk singer? (laughs) Pablo Rodriguez. In another life, I imagine that's what he would do. Anyway, let's get back to Terrence's letter. My interpretation of placing a target on someone's back is to single them out for ridicule. No violence intended. They managed to bring this ridicule on themselves just by their childish responses. These liberals are so pathetic. P.S. Love Rebel News. I'm a subscriber and you are my favorite reporter. Well, thank you so much. Um... I appreciate your kind words, but yeah, just totally embarrassing. (laughs) I just, I don't know what else to do except laugh at these absolute pathetic weeps of what passes for a man over there in the Liberal Party of Canada. If you work in government and you are taking a paycheck on behalf of the taxpayer and you are responsible for policies that people don't like, I'm sorry. Stick your feelings in a sack and throw them in the river. Toughen up. Be a man and take your criticism with dignity. Whining to the mainstream media about how another man hurt your feelings. Hold, not just whining, holding a press conference to whine about how another man made fun of you in front of 10,000 plus people. I mean, just come on. You know what? Parents raise your sons better. (laughs) Raise them tougher. That was bad. They, you know what? I'm not for medicating the water, but maybe we should be putting some testosterone in the drink box, water bottle sort of things, if you know what I mean. Well, everybody, that's the show for tonight. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in. I'll see everybody back here in the same time, in the same place next week. And as always, Don't let the government tell you that you've had too much to think.